Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome back, tomatoes, to another episode of the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm Kim Selby, the San Francisco editor of the Three Tomatoes newsletter. Today, my guest is Dr. Annabelle Bugatti. She is an expert on relationships, healthy emotional living, success, and leadership. Now, these are all things we need to bring our lives into balance, and I know you'll agree with me on that. Dr. Bell, as she is known, is a licensed marriage and family therapist and currently in Nevada. She's also a certified emotionally focused therapy supervisor and couples therapist. And she spent the last decade helping individuals and couples around the world learn how to love better, and have successful lives and relationships. Oh my gosh, we all need that. And yes, but more, and there's more. She's also a well-known business and executive success coach, helping therapists, entrepreneurs, and leaders reach their full potential in business and relationships. Well, after this conversation, I know we're all going to be more successful at communicating. (laughs) Thanks for joining me, Dr. Bell. Thank you so much for having me. I forgot to mention you are also an author. <laughs> Sorry. I am. I just published a book, actually. And what's the title of that book? It is Using Relentless Empathy in the Therapeutic Relationship, Connecting with Challenging and Difficult Clients. But really, if you have challenging and difficult people in your life, you'll benefit from this book, no matter who you are, or what you do. Everybody has challenging people in our lives, unless we've been able to sort of dissect them and get them out so so that we can move forward because I think that's an important part of living is learning when to let go of toxic relationships. Absolutely. One of the things that you talk a lot about is empathy. And I know that we all think that at times we are empathetic. And some people may even think that they are empaths. Can you tell us what the difference is between an empath and having an empathetic nature? So being an empath just simply means that you tend to feel the emotions of people around you. You can easily pick them up. You can be sensitive to it and even absorb it. Having empathy is much different. Empathy is being able to channel an emotional muscle memory that can relate to another human's emotional experience. It's the deepest form of understanding you can offer somebody. So feeling people's emotions versus actually offering emotional understanding are very, very different things. And it's very important, I would assume, in all of our relationships to have some sort of empathy, to put ourselves in someone else's position. Is that going to help strengthen our relationship? 
Absolutely. Empathy is a relationship building skill. And I really believe it's the core of where our humanity thrives. And of course, there are always going to be people that get under your skin. And in my business, you know, people come to me, couples, and they have two different truths. And, you know, everything comes with a grain of salt and you weren't actually there. So you, you know, and I'm not supposed to be the empire. So it's like, how do you help two people whose truths completely clash with each other? So it's really being able to have empathy and sometimes see beneath the stuff that you see on the surface, which sometimes can be really hurtful, really toxic, really destructive. But you have to be able to see under that to see the human being underneath and what they're really reaching for or trying to get hurt or understood. Once you can kind of like dig that out, it's much easier than for them to be open to addressing those hurtful, toxic, destructive behaviors, but not without being able to empathize with the human underneath all that. And I assume you have certain exercises and ways of assisting people in bringing out their own empathetic nature. Is that right? Absolutely. My book is actually full of all kinds of questions. And um, each chapter actually ends with questions for people to ponder and kind of think about their own experience and, and where their blocks are. And, you know, as I teach in my book, empathy is not just a feeling, but it's a skill. It's a skill that you can hone for the benefit of relationships. But a lot of people try to numb out emotions. And, and this is a huge problem now because people say, oh, emotions are irrational. Actually, emotions are perfectly logical. Usually what they're actually referring to and they're not differentiating between is the behavior attached to the emotion. The behaviors are often very reactive, impulsive, destructive, hurtful. Um, but the emotion itself underneath that isn't. So what people try to do is they numb out emotions or they try to suppress other people's emotions because they're just saying, oh, like too much emotion, that's big and scary when really it's the behavior. And so if you numb out emotions and people try to do this just because of difficult and challenging emotions, they think, oh, I'll still be able to have empathy. I'll still be able to feel love and caring and compassion, but actually they all belong in the same compartment. And, you know, it's like trying to separate flecks of pepper, you know, <laughs> all the different colors. You, you just can't do it, right? Yeah. So they're all bundled together. So you numb one, you numb all. So if you numb out your emotions, your capacity to feel empathy and express empathy towards others is going to be much limited. And have you worked with anybody who was unable to reach their empathic nature or can anybody um, do it? Anybody can do it. Inability would either come down to two things, either it's a corpse. So somebody that's not living and breathing or somebody who's just not willing. I don't, I literally don't see anybody as not able. And I get people are probably like, wait a second. I know somebody in my life who just, no, no, no. I'm not saying that it's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not challenging. What I'm saying is people in those positions are just really blocked. They have a lot of pain. They have a lot of hurt, a lot of focus on self that they can't let go of that stands in the way. And they're probably not willing to work on that. So those are going to be the blocks. Doesn't mean they're not able or capable. They're just not willing. Yeah, I could see that. 
I mean, it's like with anything, you have to be open and ready and willing to change. You know, what's really funny is people, sometimes couples come to me and they're really surprised to hear that um, some clients aren't willing to change. Like, why would you come to therapy if you're not willing to change? And my response is always, well, some people just come to check a box. They, it's like a show of good faith. Like, see, I went to therapy. I sat in the chair, didn't work. Well, it didn't work because you didn't try. <laughs> no, but they're like, see, check the box just to make it look. They went say fake. So they didn't actually have an intention of working on any. So that's, that's really tough. Not everyone who comes is a customer for change. Yeah. And I imagine if couples are coming at times, perhaps I've seen enough movies to know this one couple (laughs) is willing to work on the relationship and change. And the other one is sitting there with a stone cold face. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's typical in a lot of couples. You have one person who's more the pursuer who tends to push um, their partner to open up, to talk, to engage and they're reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts. You have the other partner who is more withdrawn, who feels like they got a still face and they've got to do like that still almost like a poker face. It's, it's, it's a, like a survival tactics. Like if you just don't see me, if I don't react, then you can't pick on me. You can't criticize me, you know, but from the outside, it looks to the other partner, like you just don't care. So it is, it is very common where you have you know, this, this is probably the most common dynamic in relationships is the pursue withdraw. But I have seen so many clients that come in where one partner is full of hope and there's still a lot of fight in them. And the other partner is feeling, you know, like they're questioning, do I really want to be in this? I've lost a lot of hope. I'm not sure. And that's okay. I just really meet people where they're at. And there's a reason why they got to where they were. And we work with that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you say too, is that you can use empathy to create a connection with challenging or difficult people. Now, do they have to be ready to accept this or can you do it without sort of their knowledge? Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, It can be both. And it really depends on the person. And again, it matters on how willing they are to work on themselves or be a part of the conversation. But, you know, I've seen it with people who, who came into conversations, not seemingly willing, but when they were shown empathy, it kind of softened their heart. And then through that process became much more willing to engage in a different dialogue. So it just really depends. But, um, I mean, empathy is very, very powerful. And one of the examples that I draw from this was I had a mentor who was somebody that I really admired, didn't live in my area, lived in another state who on Facebook was kind of going on these political rants that just were so extreme (laughs) and they felt very hurtful, very judgmental and very antithetical to what we practice in therapy and just the the specific model of counseling that we use emotionally focused therapy, which is based in attachment. And so, you know, I was thinking, gosh, if this is how they really think or feel, and and they're kind of making this, these broad generalized statements, but it feels like he's talking, but if I'm one of those people who believes the thing that he's ranting against, then he's like anti me. And that really sucks. 
So I thought, what am I going to do here? Because I don't want to fire my mentor. He he's brilliant and has lots to teach me. And so I just stepped into all the skills that I had been taught as a therapist. Cause again, it's easy to tell your clients, here's how you should solve problems. But then when you're the one in it, you know, suddenly it's like, Whoa, what happened to all that? <laughs> and so I stepped into all the skills that I had been working with and teaching my clients and really tried to practice what I preached. And I just dove into the conversation and I weeded below and believe me, his, his beliefs were so, so extreme and so polar opposite, but what I did to be able to regain connection and actually we ended up deepening our connection and have a even deeper, most more close relationship, which I'm so thankful for, but I had to like weed through all the stuff I was hearing on the surface and get to the core of what is it that your heart, that your humanity is saying that you want, that you're after what's your goal in this, what's your end game, even though we may vehemently disagree on how that plays out or how to get there. I just want to know what it is that you're after. And when I was able to get down to that, I was able to find that actually at the most basic level, we wanted exactly the same thing. And so that helped me relax a lot because I thought, well, you know, A, I don't want to be in a world where everybody thinks completely the same because that's boring, A, and we don't grow that way and we don't learn that way. And so, you know, I thought, well, okay, we both actually want the same thing. So in a lot of ways, we're on the same team, even though we really disagree, but that's okay. I wouldn't want someone to think I'm a terrible person because I have a different belief than them. So at the end of the day, knowing that we both want the same thing helps me have hope that we'll be able to achieve the same outcome. And if they end up being right, great. If, if my thoughts or my beliefs as to how it should play out ends up being the, the good path, great too but we can get connection and we want the same thing. And that makes me happy at the end. So that's what it took for me to be able to get through and like even tolerate. And now I see the rants sometimes I'm just like, uh, you know, I just kind of flip through. I'm like, okay, I, I know what's at the heart of this. So I'm more easily able to just not set my teeth on edge when I see it. <laughs> well, that's something that I think every single person needs to learn, particularly now with all that is being thrown at us and the diversity and all of the differing opinions about every single thing, it would be nice to be able to just calm ourselves down. And even if we don't agree with someone, which is yeah. clearly what you went through, but sometimes when we change ourselves, the way we look at other people changes too. And even though they may not change, at least we have changed enough mm -hmm. to be able to, if not accept them, hold them at arm's length and not let them get into our heads too much. Yes. And I think the, the access channel for empathy and compassion, which I believe really go hand in hand is to be able to put yourself in the shoes and say, what if this was me? What if I had these feelings or these beliefs or this experience and somebody was treating me this way? How would I feel or what would I want or how would I want to be treated? And when I realize, Hey, I wouldn't want someone to like pigeonhole me because I had a belief or decide I can't come over to their house ever because I voted for so-and-so, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that really stinks. So I'm not going to do that to other people. 
So, and, and our country, our society, our culture couldn't be more divided. It's, it's insane. You know, it's like, do you guys realize this is how we undo ourselves is by dividing ourselves. So I'm kind of, maybe I'm on this, uh, rainbow painted gung-ho mission of empathy. Let's restore our humanity. But I'm like, let's keep it together, guys. Let's find a way to be united and connect with each other's hearts rather than like divide each other based on who they voted for or their, their culture, their race, their religion. You know, we used to want to be integrated and connected. And now it's like, oh, well, you belong over there. We belong over there. And if you tell me no, then you're this and you're that. And oh my gosh, we're so quick to pathologize and judge and label. And then people like, ah, they freak out because no one wants those labels because they're ugly and they're awful. And most of the time, not true. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I love what you said. And going back to that on, I have a little saying that I've adapted from the golden rule. (laughs) You know, it is, it's sparkle unto others as you would have them sparkle unto you. Mm-hmm. You do not want someone else ranting back at you. It is just really taking the time to be aware. And I think a lot of it is taking the time to be aware before you speak or before you react. Yeah. And, and I think it, that's part of the problem too, is people just make, they hear, oh, you voted for this person or you voted for that person. And that's where the conversation stops. They decide, oh, because this political candidate or this party stands for this, then you must stand for all these terrible things without ever even asking that person, do you even make the same meaning out of these things that I'm making? And are these things, things that you actually stand for? We just decide for them that, oh, you support. I mean, look, most of the listeners out there, you've probably all had kids or a family member who did things that you didn't agree with right? Did you stop talking to your child because they made a decision you didn't agree with? No, you love them anyway, right? But just because you love them isn't an act or a declaration saying, I agree with and support every single behavior and belief that you hold. No. So why is it that we believe? I, I had somebody tell me the other day, it was a, it was a um, a lady who said, oh, but what you, what you permit, you perpetuate. And I'm thinking, how is building a connection with somebody who has different beliefs, permitting or perpetuating anything? All it is, is perpetuating connection. It's not saying, oh, because I'm your friend, I support and agree with all of your beliefs. And nor does it mean that just because they voted for this or, or belong to this group means that they believe all these things that you think they believe in, which you don't even know because you've never even talked to them. That's a really good way of putting it though, about your kids or someone you dearly love. You don't disown them. Well, hopefully (laughs) you don't disown them just because they act in a way that isn't in accordance to the way you act. It is that unconditional love that it comes down to. We have to Try to find that within every human being because we are all human. We are all connected. And yeah. it really would be great if everybody could access their own inter inner empath or inner empathic nature. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. The idea of unconditional love. I feel like we've gotten so far away from that. And we when we can actually learn to love and you know, have compassion for our fellow human beings, even when they do or say things we don't agree with, 
I mean, that's the path to restoring our humanity. It just seems like we've been unraveling at the core and we've gotten more and more hideous to each other and having unconditional love for each other is so hard yet almost everyone who walks into my door as a therapy client really, really is longing for that felt sense of unconditional love. Yes, we, we do. I mean, I think we all long for that unconditional love and the connection, the connection even more so. And what we're doing is being divisive instead of, you know, getting the cords connected by, right. Unifying, that's the word, by, by spouting all of these, our beliefs or I don't do that. I don't get political on any social media, on any of my podcasts. I just don't because I prefer to connect with a human being on a human being level. Let's, it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. And that's the thing. You can connect so well with someone. And then all of a sudden they say, but I did such and such, or I don't believe in this. And you, all of a sudden you sever that connection. Yeah. Yeah. You've closed the doorway on that. And I guess that's where we, need to let go of that and practice empathy, practice putting ourselves in their position. Everyone's all about tolerance and inclusivity, right? But they don't realize when they shut the door on that conversation, they are no longer being inclusive. They are being exclusive. So they're not even practicing what they preach. That is so true. It's... It's really frightening what's going on in the world. And fortunately for people such as yourself, you're helping one person at a time or a couple at a time to develop that. And that's all that any of us can hope to do is reach one person at a time Mm -hmm. in order to help them bring out their true nature, their true self, their ability to be empathic, their ability to give and receive unconditional love. And I don't understand how the, the way that people are going about it in society, on social media, news and all this, I don't, I really don't understand how they see themselves as unifying. So it seems like they're trying to use fear to scaring people into getting on board, which isn't unity, right? Ruling by fear is not unification. No, fear is that big thing that's causing so many issues right now, whether it's fear of getting the vaccine or fear of getting COVID or, you know, fear of the government or, or fear of everything, yes. false evidence appearing real fear. There it is. It's yes. something we need yes. to release. I love that. This is the second time I've heard that in probably the last 15 years. Oh, really? <laughs> false evidence or false expectations appearing real. It's so true. And, and I don't know what it is to, to live like that in such fear, but it's also a choice that I make because I know that the world is full of scary things. And, you know, even though I'm healthy and I take care of myself I could knock on wood, get hit by a bus, or, you know, I could come down with pneumonia and that could kill me, even though I'm healthy. You know, you see 50 year olds dropping dead, dropping dead of heart attacks all the time who are perfectly healthy, had low cholesterol. And, you know, so I understand that nothing is absolute. And so I decide what can I do about that? Do I want to live my, my everyday life in constant fear and anxiety? And I just made a conscious decision. I don't want to live that way because look at the emotional impact. Look at the way it hijacks my joy in my daily living, drives up anxiety, just makes life so much harder than it already is. 
So I just learned to do everything that I can make smart choices. Now take care of myself, you know, be wise, be smart, be thoughtful and just recognize the rest is just part of the system of life. And you're just going to have to take it as it comes. I do believe that that is one of the biggest lessons that we are here to learn. And that is to release fear, to let go of it. Because from what I have read and I know research that I have looked at, I don't do that, but I'll research that fear actually causes our body to get disease, Mm -hmm. to bring forth the negative in ourselves. You know, it's that fight or flight from the amygdala that we just, yeah. yeah. I can explain chemically exactly why that happens. Thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. So what people don't know the science about this is that everything emotional is also chemical. So emotions live in our body's nervous system. They are part of our body's fight or flight system there. So basic, basic, uh, humanity lesson right here. You're all about to get, okay, take notes. (laughs) So attachment is the lens through which we see the world. Literally it is wired through the amygdala. It is how we see ourselves as comf as confident, capable, lovable, worthy. It's how we experience others in this world as trustworthy, or is having hidden agendas or hidden motives? Can we trust them? Are they going to be there for us? So, and you are never not in relationship with other people. So attachment is, is a a filter through which you experience reality. You intake that the, the messages that you process constantly around you are being filtered through the lens of attachment. Emotions are your body's threat detection system. So you make meaning through the attachment system And if it's dangerous, right? So your brain actually encodes rejection, disconnection, the same as if like there was a scary bug or a spider. So you get these emotions. Fear is not just, you know, like I'm afraid of being hit by a bus. It's also, I'm afraid of being rejected, but in either way, even if it is something like fear of a disease or fear of being rejected, both of those live in the brain exactly the same. They both are connected to the amygdala and when the, um, when the brain detects danger, when it detects fear, when the more difficult emotions come online, they release cortisol and adrenaline. These are two stress hormones that live in the body. When they get released, they start going after your organs. And so then all your body's energy has to divert itself around trying to heal the organs that the cortisol and the adrenaline is now starting to damage. So when your body's energy is around that, guess what? It's not working on its defensive system of protecting you from incoming threats like viruses and bacteria, other things that could come towards you. The cool thing is you can actually through even attachment you can get a a good chemical release of oxytocin and vasopressin. Vasopressin is the chemical responsible for your body's ability to regulate pressure, which is interesting when you're talking about stress, right? So secure connection, your body releases oxytocin and vasopressin, helping to counteract the stress hormones in your body. So then you don't have a healthy Like you don't have all this uh, dousing of those stress hormones coursing through your body. Now you're getting the good hormones that counteract it. Your body can go back to its normal functioning and now it's working on its defense.
system and not trying to protect its organs from turning on itself. I am so glad you went into that because I love telling people things. It's just, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a PhD. I don't have any of that background. I just know what I read, but to hear it from someone as yourself, it's so vital, so important. And I do also know how important meditation is. I don't know if you're one of those people as well, but that really helps calm me down a lot. Yeah. For me, meditation really depends on the intention behind it. I find nowadays that meditation has become the new way to numb out emotion. It's Mm. like we just kind of escape and change channels by meditating, but we don't actually meditate on whatever it is that we're feeling so that we can get clear and organize into words what's going on for us so that we actually can communicate it effectively and get the help that we need. That is great. That is That is so great. I've interviewed so many different people about that sort of thing as well. And we do have to, I get it. We have to acknowledge our feelings. We have to acknowledge why, the why of what we're doing that way. I also know that if I sit down and take deep breaths, it helps me regardless for two minutes, whatever it is. But I do think we have to acknowledge what it is that yeah. we're feeling so that we can move through it and accept it or yeah. not yeah. Or do something about it. And that's good because taking deep breaths can help your body's physiological fight or flight system start to regulate itself, start to soothe a little bit. But ultimately, if you don't address the emotions behind it, then your body's just going to go back into that cycle. So being able to really tune in, get close. Think of emotion as just data points. It's information about your experience. There's a reason why you're feeling what you're feeling instead of trying to suppress it or numb it out. Listen to it. What is it trying to say? What does it tell you is happening right now? What's the important thing that needs to be heard or understood when you can dig that out? It's amazing how your body will actually start to calm and soothe itself and re-regulate because the message that it's trying to get through is now being heard. It's clear. And it's, it's so soothing, even just for yourself. And here's the really interesting thing too, is that the word emotion actually comes from the Latin word, a move array to move out emotions, natural trajectory, and it is hardwired into the nervous system to the limbic system in the body is to move out. So this is also how panic attacks are born, right? Is emotion wants to move out, but then you got someone like trying to tamp it down, suppress it. Don't freak out. Don't lose it. Come on, come on. They push it down. Now you have your internal body's fight or flight system literally at war to opposing itself. And it just kind of explodes and there's a panic attack. This is such great information. And actually a really good place to wrap up our conversation. And this is why people go to therapists already. I'm like, Oh, I get the value of that completely. I totally, because what you said makes so much sense and we can read all we want and listen to things. But when you actually have someone telling you working with you, I'm not trying to sell you as a therapist. Certainly, you know, I'm just saying that that wouldn't be so bad though. (laughs) You work with people on Zoom? 
<laughs> I do actually. Yeah, I'm sure. You Fortunately, do. they have to be in the state of Nevada, but you can come out oh, here to Vegas and do it. Do a couples intensive or an individual intensive. They're a lot of fun, but really, it's about providing a safe environment for people to be able to really explore these things, where somebody's going to help them. It's like taking a leap into vulnerability and and having someone there to catch you, so you're not going to fall flat on your face. And we make sense of it. We organize it, get clear. And then when we get clear, we can help you decide how you want to express it so that we can learn how to control the behavior better. Are there things that we can access in your book that would assist us on our own if we're not in Vegas or can't get there? Absolutely. You can get my book on Amazon. And like I said, you don't have to be a therapist to read this. I've had pastors. I've had, um, I had my accountant read it actually. And he loved it. My IT guy, I've had doctors and nurses. I mean, there's so much in it. And there's a lot, like I said, there's questions at the end of every single chapter for self-reflection that will really take you to a deeper place of understanding yourself. And the key to understanding others first is to understand yourself. And there is no greater power of control that you can have over anything other than being able to have that over yourself. You have to know yourself first and foremost. Thank you. Thank you for that. I will put all your information in the show notes, but give us your website. It is drbell.com, D-R-B-E-L-L-E.com. There you go. Dr. Bell, I am so delighted that you joined us here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all the wonderful listeners out there. Yeah, they are wonderful. And I see another podcast in our future because there's so much more I want to do.